Hello, frenzies, and welcome to episode 39 of Healthy Teacher, Happy Teacher. Today's episode is going to be all about the trifecta of teacher self-care. I read kind of a cool article this weekend. Gosh, I forgot. There was some like cheesy B-movie actor (laughs) that was talking about self-care, and I was like, oh, this is so good. I think it was Rob Lowe. Anyways, I was like, I'm going to share this on the podcast. I think that this trifecta could help a lot of people. So let's get on with it. Are you feeling a little burnt out and exhausted this school year? Healthy Teacher, Happy Teacher podcast is here to get you through the hard weeks. We will be tackling tough topics while addressing self-care tips and tricks to help you live your best life. I'm your host, Jessica Martin a coffee-drinking teacher and tech coach working on my own health journey as I pursue happiness in my teacher life. I am so happy you're here with me today, and I can't wait to share all the things with you. Let's get on with the show. Okay, before we begin, frenzies, I just want to thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And if you ever get a chance, I would love to see who's out there listening. And there are two ways you could show me that you're out there. Hello, is anyone there? Hello? Hello. (laughs) Anyway, you could take a screenshot and post on your Instagram and tag me. I am the underscore whimsical underscore teacher. I love seeing who's out there. And if you can't do that, you could also leave me a review on iTunes and just tell me what you think about the show. These are the two main ways of getting information about your show out into the world. So if you have time and you could do either one, I'd really appreciate it. I will definitely repost you on Instagram. And who knows, if you leave me a review, sometimes I read the reviews and send people a shirt for leaving one. So yeah, and I hope to have more swag soon. So yeah, uh, I think I said so yeah uh, about 10 times. It must be time to start this show. Okay, frenzies, welcome back to episode 39 of Healthy Teacher, Happy Teacher. I am your host, Jessica Martin, and I had to pick a show name that I could say three times really fast. (laughs) That was the whole point to the show. Sometimes I think, should I change the show name? Because it's kind of a mouthful. It doesn't really fit on things very well. Like I see other podcasts and they're just so simple and so sleek, you know, and here I have like four words and they're super long, so many syllables. And I think, should I change it? But then I almost feel like maybe I should just start over. (laughs) That would probably be ridiculous. See, I have this problem. I'm one of those people that like I start a puzzle and then I'm about two thirds of the way through and I'm sort of like, F this puzzle, I'm done. (laughs) So uh, I, I'm I'm trying not to do that though. I'm trying not to do that. Um, and F stands for fudge. In case any of my students are listening, wink, wink. <laughs> so, anyways, um, I went to this site called, um, or I go to this site called BuzzSumo.com. B-U-Z-Z Sumo, like a sumo wrestler. dot com, and it kind of gives you all like the different trendy stuff going on. And I heard about it through a course I took a couple years ago called Teacher Seller School, and it was by Hallie from Speech Time Fun. And I don't think she's selling that course anymore. She might be, but she kind of got really big in her business through blogging. And so she shared all of her secrets. Like, this is how I became really big on Teachers Pay Teachers through my blog, just to give you some ideas. And one of her suggestions is using Buzz Sumo. 
And I just wanted to give her a shout out for that because I feel like, you know, we all hear about things from somewhere. So we should share, we should give credit when credit is due, right? That is usually my biggest gripe in different friendship groups on the internet is basically like when people get an idea from someone, they should just credit who they got the idea from. Even if that person got it from someone else who got it from someone else who got it from someone else, like just give credit where it's due, you know, and um, that could be a whole nother show tanty. But today I'm going to talk about this article I read on BuzzSumo. And I think, okay, I read it a couple days ago, but I think Rob Lowe was talking about caregiving. I don't know why he was. He was talking about like, I think that some family member, maybe his mom or another family member had had stage four cancer and he had been a part of her caregiving. And I was thinking about how caregiving and teaching they have a lot in common because, I mean, you kind of are taking care of little people all day long, right? And even if you teach teenagers, you're taking care of people that are younger than you all day long. They're outnumbering you and they have a lot more problems than you do, hopefully. (laughs) I mean, I'd feel bad if you had like more problems than your whole class combined. But um I probably shouldn't have said that. I should probably delete that part, but oh well. Anyway, I was thinking like, wow, these are really excellent tips for teachers. And I was just thinking how many teachers are going to stumble across this article? How many teachers are going to be Googling things for caregiving? But sometimes I do because, you know, I used to work in group homes for seven years uh, in my 20s. And I think I've done some episodes about, you know, my history and a little bit of why I worked in group homes. But I was I was a caregiver in group homes. I took care of disabled adults. And they usually had several different disabilities in order to get uh, services from the state. And it does kind of take a lot out of you caregiving for people. But in a lot of ways, teaching is very parallel, but it's almost more high stakes because when I was working in the group homes, I would have a maximum of four people to take care of, right? Make sure that they ate and bathed and took their medicine. But in the classroom, you could be in charge of up to like 30 people or one of my friends, I think she has a class size of 38 this year. You could be in charge of dozens of people and you're not necessarily making sure that they eat and bathe and and take their medicine. But I mean, those are certainly concerns we have as teachers, right? Like those are things we still have to cover in the classroom from time to time. And but we're but even more importantly, we're making sure that they learn how to read and write. And, you know, we're trying to satisfy a bunch of content standards. And it's a lot. And I just think there's a lot of parallels between being a teacher because and caregiving because we're, you know, we're doing the job of a caregiver. I mean, we we might not be like wiping butts or doing toilet duty. If you're a special ed teacher, maybe you are. Or if you're in kindergarten, maybe you have some problems like that. But um we're still like caregiving a lot. Like we're, we're being not only a role model, but we're sort of like looking out for kids, social, emotional health. And we're looking, you know, at at dealing with different mental health problems, but we're also given the challenge of trying to teach all these standards on top of all that. So I do think that teaching is the ultimate caregiving profession, mainly because we have such a bigger caseload than the average caregiver. I mean, a lot of caregivers, they're in charge of one person <laughs> and not not so much for teachers. So it's, you know, and it, sure, it's definitely a little bit different, you know, because you're definitely not as close to a student as a caregiver would be. But 
there's a lot of instances where you have to put yourself on the back burner. Example, bathroom breaks. Hello, we can't just get up and go to the bathroom whenever we want. And uh, when I was a caregiver working in the group homes, I could. I could get up and go to the bathroom anytime I wanted. (laughs) Cannot do that as a teacher. So there are a lot of self-care issues in the teaching profession. And that's why I really like this article that Rob Lowe did, because he talked about three things that I just think are so important for teachers to get a hold of. And I want to tell you about them now, So maybe this summer, there are things that you could start to focus on. So here are the three main things. I'm going to pause really quick and tell you what they are because it took me six minutes just to give you the background info. I'm so sorry. Okay, so here are the three main areas of self-care that a lot of people who are in caregiver positions sort of struggle with. And the first is sleep, second, diet, and third, having a social life. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty perfect because I can see how in my life as a teacher and my life when I was a caregiver, these three areas were pretty big concerns. Now, honestly, I have not had a lot of problems with sleep in my life. I've been pretty lucky. I have been in a lot of car accidents and I will tell you that every time I've been in a car accident, I have horrible problems getting back on a a good sleep pattern. Um, My body just doesn't do well with like pain medication or other medications. And I just, I've, I've had struggles with sleep, but I know some people that have just, they're bad sleepers and they have been their whole life. I am not one of those people. So I'm just going to kind of give you some research that I found, things that have worked for some of my friends. Obviously, first and foremost, melatonin gummies. Um, I think the townie teacher on Instagram talks a lot about these, but melatonin gummy bears before bed or even the melatonin pills, the slow release, that's always helped me get on a good sleep schedule. There have been people I've talked to that use Benadryl or NyQuil the night before, like, the first day of school. Obviously, I don't recommend using a medication if you don't have to because I think it throws your body out of whack a little bit. That's why I like using, you know, the more gentle things like vitamins and stuff. But if I, you know, if I really could not get to sleep the night before school, I would probably, you know, I would probably take a little Benadryl. (laughs) Something that I knew would make me kind of sleepy just to just to get there. Um, So that's just something to keep in mind. And then a lot of people use apps now to help them sleep. So I've heard of this Calm app, an app called Headspace. There's another app called Noisly. And all of these apps... Noisily is with an I at the end, not with a Y. (laughs) But all of these apps just give you meditation techniques, uh, soothing, calming music. They offer white noise, just like anything to kind of get you in the head space. Well, that's what one of the apps is called. So that's handy. But anything to get you in the mindset of that you're going to go to bed now and you're going to fall asleep, right? And so there are a lot of really cool apps. And if you Google, you know, cool sleep apps, 2019, I always write the year or else you'll get some really weird ones that don't exist anymore. You're going to find a whole bunch. I was using an app and I feel bad. I kind of forgot the name of it, but it just told me my, you know, like if you, if you need to go to bed at 10 o'clock or you go to bed at 10 o'clock, what time should you set your alarm? So you, you know, you're getting full cycles of sleep. And it would tell you if you want three cycles of sleep, set your alarm for this time. If you want two cycles of sleep, set it for that time. And I don't think it's like, you know, it's definitely not, 
is I think everybody has slightly different sleep rhythms and patterns than other people. So I don't think it's foolproof, but it was kind of a cool app. Um, and there's a whole bunch of them out there. So might want to look at your sleep if you're having problems with it. And I think a lot of people just ignore it. Like, oh, I didn't sleep good last night, whatever, you know, and they just go about their day. But like, if you keep saying that again and again, or you go through several weeks of, at a time where you're just like, yeah, I kind of slept like crap. I'm not doing that great. You know, I never sleep well. Well, like if you're saying these things, that is a big red flag for your health that you need to get back on track with your sleep because our body repairs itself while we're sleeping. And how can you expect yourself to be healthy and happy if you're not getting that repair that repair time done? <laughs> I always think of it as like when I was a little kid, my parents would tell me that when I fell asleep, that like, it was like going to, it was like a car going to the mechanic, right? Like you would be getting repaired by like magical sleep fairies overnight. <laughs> uh, I can see how that would creep some kids out now, but I really liked it. I'm like, oh yeah, the magical sleep fairies. And I know they just want me to go to bed. <laughs> But I mean, it worked, whatever works for you. <laughs> Maybe that's why I haven't had a problem falling asleep my whole life because my parents convinced me that magical sleep fairies like come and fix me in the middle of the night. <laughs> so anyways, okay. The next thing that they, they were talking about is just how important diet is and I know that's such a personal thing for so many people. And if you've had weight problems, whether, you know, maybe you've had eating disorders or you've had problems overeating, like, I mean, there's a plethora of problems out there with food. And I think most people probably have an unhealthy re relationship with food where they use food. Like I've met very few people in my life who are like, yeah, I've never had a problem with food, eating or my weight. I mean, I would say maybe like one out of a hundred people I meet are like that. And the other 99 are like, yes, I've had a lot of problems. Regardless of the size of their body, they've had some problems with food. So anyways, I don't want to like give you any tips or tricks because what works for me might not work for you. But I would say that something that I just feel pretty passionate about since I started my weight loss journey back in the beginning of the school year. As some of you know, I've lost like 20, 25 pounds. I don't know. My weight has fluctuated a little bit and I've kind of stalled losing weight. So I don't want to act like I'm some big success story, but I think taking off 25 pounds and in a school year is pretty decent. And I had to do it for my health because I have prediabetes and kidney problems. And I just had to do something drastic and cut out the sugar and, and a lot of caffeine. And I, I'm not eating tons of carbohydrates or anything that will get processed to sugar in my body. Um, that's just me personally. But I think something that everyone can do that I'm totally down with telling you that it's okay to do is just like, how can you eat more vegetables? And that's something that uh, Hello Fresh introduced into my life because I just realized there were so many meals I was making every single night that I could have easily added vegetables into and I wasn't. Like spaghetti. I mean, everybody eats spaghetti. You know, you either have it with the tomatoes alone or you throw in some meat. But what I learned from Hello Fresh is that you should be adding in a lot of vegetables to your spaghetti. You should be adding in onions and zucchini and sometimes even carrots and fresh tomatoes and 
basil and garlic and maybe even a handful of spinach. And this is something I've learned from ordering different food boxes is that every meal, there is room for vegetables. And it really like that's the only difference I've really done in in my day to day life. I mean, I have been exercising. And like I said, I haven't been eating the sugar like I was, I pretty much cut sugar completely out. And I'm looking a lot more at whole grains and stuff like that. But uh, adding the vegetables to every meal, and it, it is kind of a pain. I mean, like this week, I was doing a healthy uh, meal, and I, you know, I got a bad cut on my finger. And that kind of was frustrating, because there is a lot of prep work when you have meals that are heavy in vegetables, but it really helps with your health. It helps with how you're feeling. It helps with your digestion. It helps with losing weight. And so I don't know, like, I hate to give anyone advice about like their nutrition because I'm definitely not an example. <laughs> but I'm definitely seeing how like there's so many meals that you could be squeezing vegetables into, but we just don't because we're lazy and we don't want to cut them up, you know, and that's a bad excuse. So I think like if you were to do anything for yourself this summer, it's just like, how can you add more vegetables into things? How can you make things taste better with fresh herbs and garlic. I mean, I would say every single meal box that I've ordered has fresh garlic in it. It's like, it's like a must have. So I don't know, just something to think about for diet and maybe you have something else in mind. There's so many out there. There's so many diets out there. I mean, there's like a million and most of them I don't really think work for the long term, but I don't really think it's that harmful to just try something out for a few weeks and see how you feel. I And I know that's kind of unhealthy to say because we're living in this weirdo diet culture, but I think that most teachers are smart enough to analyze diets and understand the risks or the benefits or what they need to change in their lives. I just know for me, like, wow, there's so many things I can add a vegetable to and they actually taste good. <laughs> Like, I mean, as a kid, I hated zucchini and squash. And now I'm like kind of learning how to like those grilled, grilled up. They're pretty delicious. And I'm just kind of learning the different flavors of vegetables. And it's definitely helped giving up sugar because I can taste the natural sugars and vegetables a little easier now. So I don't know. I mean, it's just it's it's the one thing I'm taking away from my year of health struggles is just that's my question for every single meal now, except probably for breakfast, <laughs> but for lunch and snacks and dinner is like, how can I, how can I fit some veggies into this? Okay. The last one is social life. Let's go into that one next a little bit. When I read that social life, social groups, having social problems is one of the biggest problems of people neglecting their own self-care. I knew I had to do this episode because I was like, yes. I mean, everyone says diet, sleep, exercise, nutrition. I mean, everyone says those things are a problem when you're a caregiver or you're a teacher. But a lot of times we ignore our social life. And I think it's really important to bring it up. And I'd like you to just, you know, take a look at yours. Are you making time for the friends that you already have? Are you putting them into your schedule? I think so many times, especially if you're a busy mom listening to this, it's so, so, so hard to make time for your family and yourself and then also your friends. And sometimes your friends fall by the wayside. But if you look at the people in your life that make you the happiest or the people that you love being around the most, 
I mean, I'm sorry, but sometimes your kids and husband do not fit into that category or your spouse or whoever's listening right now, your partner, right? Like sometimes, you know, the people that you're, you know, around all the time, your family, sometimes those aren't the people that are making you very happy. Sometimes you're getting a little stressed out. And I think what makes people happier people is having a social outlet of some kind. And I do know a lot of people that they kind of build their social life around their school life. And sometimes that comes crashing down a bit when your coworkers move on to new positions or, you know, when you're around the same people all day long, it can just, I don't know, sometimes it's a little unhealthy when you put all your eggs into your school life basket. So I think you should really look outside yourself and ask yourself, you know, who are your friends? Who, who would you like to hang out with? If you could get a vacation to a tropical island, uh, who would you want to take with you besides your kids, besides your spouse, besides your partner? Who, who would come with you to the island? Would it be a family member or do you have some friends you would bring along? I mean, I think it's really, really important to have a spot for friends in our life. People that are not in our family, people that we don't work with, people that we don't have to see every day, but people that we actually want to spend time with. And I know a lot of adults have problems making friends. I've done some episodes on it before. I'm an only child, so I've always been super awkward making friendships. I think things have gotten a little bit better since I put myself out into the world of teaching and social media. I've become a little bit more outgoing and hanging out with people. But I mean, I can still be a bit of a loner and I have to schedule friendship time into my days sometimes because I am the type of person that I'll just like work nonstop and not think about taking any breaks for a little social time. So it's just something to think about. And I tell people all the time about meetup.com. It sounds like it's like a single site or something, but it's not. I mean, there are literally hundreds of meetups in every city, unless you live in a rural location like me, and then you can find meetups in the local newspaper usually, but, or you can ask around, but like if you live in a decent sized town or city, there are meetups there. And there are so many different kinds. Like if you're a new mom, sometimes it just helps you so much to find other new moms to be friends with, to that are that have kids the same exact age as you. So you can kind of like talk about different things you're going through. So important. And you can find new mom meetup groups on the site. Maybe you just want to start a side hobby or, I mean, they have like age group meetups where it's like, okay, anyone who's in their 20s, can come to this meetup and we're going to go do this. They have meetups about different kind of um, sports or hobbies, or sometimes they just have like historical nerdy meetups where you go walk around a historical part of town and then you go grab some beers afterwards. I mean, there's just like anything that you're into, there is a meetup for you, whether you like to play board games or you like to play more physical games, there's something out there for you. And I always recommend that to people who are like, oh, I just don't know how to make friends or I don't know how to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done with some of my old relationships and friendship groups and I need to find people that are going to, you know, make me happy. And it's, sometimes it's hard to find those people. And I just always recommend go to a meetup group, go at least six times, go six times, just go check it out. Because the first time you go, it's always going to be awkward and weird. But the more times you go, the more your chances are that you're going to find someone that you actually connect with. 
And yeah, I mean, I know if I was living in a, a little bit bigger city, like I would be hitting up the meetup groups all the time to try to just find new people to connect to. And, you know, you got to find people outside of the teacher world too. Like it's not always a hundred percent healthy to be friends with other teachers because you're all stressed out and you're all stressed out during the same times of the year. Right. So like, it's just like teacher friendships are really have an ebb and flow to them. Like where, you know, you know, the beginning of the school year, you might not talk to some of your teachers your besties for like a month because you're 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 going through the same thing. Some some people maybe you talk to them every day, but I mean teacher friendships like it, it they're fantastic and they're definitely number one in my book. But you also need to find friends that are like outside of the profession and you need to find some groups to go get involved with. And a lot of people are great at that. A lot of people get involved in churches or maybe you hang out at a certain restaurant or bar every night or a few times a week. I mean, there's all different types of ways people make friends, but sometimes it is a little scary for people. Um, and I've noticed that a lot of my friends who listen to podcasts like me, they're a little bit more more introverted because I mean, you're, you know, you're sitting here listening, you know, by yourself, you're getting all this information. I mean, you probably like spending a lot of time alone. So if you're like me, sometimes it's kind of hard to get out of the house and go try something new, but it's so important for your own self-care. And I never really, I haven't read a lot of lists that list social relationships and social networking as a part of self-care, but it totally is. So something to keep in mind, something I'm definitely going to keep in mind as I look at my whole summer, you know, I'm going to be looking at my sleep, which is usually never a problem for me in the summertime. <laughs> never. But I'm definitely going to be looking more at my diet and my social life and just like, am I making time for these th things throughout the week? I tend to start a bunch of projects and I get so involved in them that I'll like, I just won't even talk to someone for like 12 hours. And that's really unhealthy to, you know, throw yourself into something like a project like that where you're just ignoring everybody around you. I'm sure my husband would agree that I sometimes do that. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in a crabby mood right now, so he's not going to say anything. But anywho, um, yeah, I hope that these tips helped you and that they'll give you something to look forward to. And just remember that self-care, you don't have to pay for self-care. Self-care does not have to be a massage or a pedicure or some mask or some tool that you get on Amazon that all the kids, the cool kids are using. Um, it can be self-care can be those things. I'm not talking bad about those things. I dabble in all those things myself, but self-care doesn't have to be those things. It's a much broader part of your life. And so start looking at like the big cornerstones. And like I called this in the beginning of this episode, I called this the tri trifecta because I really believe that getting enough sleep and having a good diet, and having a social life. These are three things that could make you so much happier if you start putting more time and energy into them. So until next time, frenzies, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and take care of, your, take, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself and care of yourself. They're both equally as important as I'm sure Claire would agree. Okay, I'm going to go now. Goodbye. You've just finished listening to Healthy Teacher Happy Je Happy Jessica. What? <laughs> oh no, I don't know how to stop. <laughs> <laughs>